Okay, guys. Uh, today we're going to go. We're going to finish up in Daniel chapter two. Now, last week we looked at the amazing thing that Daniel did, and that's because God gave him an understanding, and that's first of all revealing to the king what he dreamed. Which, if you think about that, that is just totally amazing. Because I'm, I'm sure some of you here dreamed, had a dream last night, or dreams, many dreams last night. I think they typically say you can dream anywhere from four to five times a night. You may not remember that. You might think you're just out, but you dream. Your, your subconscious is at work. And for anybody to know what you dreamed is amazing. It's not possible, and that comes out of the text. And for Daniel to be able to tell the king what he dreamed is an amazing thing. But he's not just going to tell the king what he dreamed. We're going to see now that he's going to tell the king the interpretation. He's going to tell the king what his dream means. Now, before we look at the interpretation, I need to point out a couple things to you so that you understand, because we're getting into the prophetic part of the passage here. And so I just need you to understand a few things about what we're going to be looking at here. First of all, the main character is God throughout the book of Daniel. The main character is God, number one. Number two, ultimately, all prophecy in the Bible deals with the nation Israel. Does everybody understand me on that? Because for some of you, you might be into, you might say, well, where's America in it? Well, America's not in the Bible. It's not going to be in the Bible. I don't care what book comes out. There's a lot of different books that are coming out right now. Actually, to be very honest with you, a lot of them are coming out and they're talking about how we fit in or 9-11 fits in and all of that. It's all part of a postmodern prophetic paradigm. What does that mean? Well, postmodernism does not believe in absolute truth. Postmodernism says there is no absolute truth. And so out of that postmodern thinking, you can make Scripture say anything you want it to say. In fact, I was just thinking about it this morning. I could make these prophetic passages tell us the future of Kerwinsville. If you give me enough time and enough Italian sausages so I can have some dreams, I could make the scripture tell us about Kerwinsville. Did you understand what I'm saying? I could even find, it even doesn't have to be in Daniel, I could find it anywhere. Like I could go to, a, I could go to one of the prophets, the minor prophets, because nobody reads the minor prophets, so you won't know if I'm telling you the truth or not. I can make it say anything. So I, I want you to understand if you're caught up in, what, what does the Bible say about America, blah, blah, blah? You've got to be careful. Because, and I need to remind you of something. The United States is not special. It's one of the Gentile nations. And according to the Bible, all the Gentile nations will be judged. Now, I may rouse some of you. I'm just being honest with you. Because here's what I'm going to say to you. If you find yourself riled up about that, or even if you find yourself disagreeing with me on that, that's fine. But you're going to have to examine yourself and ask yourself, why are you feeling that way? Because the chances are, the reason why you're feeling that way is that you're influenced more by what some guy told you in a book or on the radio than what the Bible says. And when we look at Daniel, Daniel's interest is not about 
Gentile nations. He's going to talk about Gentile nations today. Daniel's interest is about the people of God, which specifically for Daniel here is Israel. So remember what I told you. When we talked about prophecy, you've got to make a decision about what you're going to do with Israel. So the issue is about Israel. Now, the other thing I want to point out to you is this. We're going to look at the prophetic passages. I'm going to explain to you what the prophecies are. But I'm going to try to leave out the speculation. What sells books today and what makes guys experts in prophecy is when they begin to speculate on the meetings and they all go to, they have a newspaper in one hand and a Bible in the other hand and they try to interpret what's happening today in the newspaper with what the Bible is saying. And that is an improper way to do things. And I'll explain to you why. Because here's the thing. I've been a Christian now almost 30 years. And in those 30 years, the Middle East has changed completely and continues to change. It was changing before that. And the players and the main nations who rise up and fall continually change. Do you know what I'm saying? So, for instance, in your lifetime, we've seen, since the 60s, main players like Egypt rise and fall as far as their prominence. Syria rise, and it's in the midst of a crisis right now. Iraq rise, specifically one dude who used to be talked about all the time now until he got hung. That's Saddam Hussein. So what I'm saying is, is we're going to try to stay away from the speculation. Now, I will point some things out to you that are currently happening out there as far as what people are thinking. But you need to be aware of that. So, like, for instance, we're going to talk about, you know, well, we'll wait to the image, and then I'll explain it to you. And I'll say what was said in the past. What you need to understand about the prophecies is this. It's not your task to try to figure them out. Our task is to understand that God has a plan for the future and that things are moving towards that. And at the end of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 12, the angel makes a very clear point to Daniel to say, as we move closer to the time, you will begin to understand more. Because Daniel looked at it and said, I don't understand any of this, because he didn't see any of this happening. We see some of it already has taken place, and so we need to have a better understanding as we move closer to the time. But I w we're going to try to avoid the speculation, because that's really what sells books. But we're not into selling books here. We're interested in communicating truth. So let's look at God's Word today, folks. We're going to look today at verses 36 through 45, first of all, in Daniel chapter 2, as we look at the interpretation. Now, because now everything from this point on has been, to be very honest with you, challenged by uh, the rationalistic skeptics of the 1800s on up, who said there's no way that this could be true, that there's no way that this was written beforehand, and that's because they deny the possibility that God could tell us the future. So this is what we're going to see here. So look with me, verse 36. This is Daniel speaking to the king. This is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are a king of kings. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heaven, he also has given them into your hand, and has made you ruler over them all. 
You are the head of gold. For after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, and then another, a third kingdom of bronze, shall rule over the earth. And a fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, in as much as iron breaks into pieces and shatters everything. Like iron it crushes, that kingdom will break into pieces and will crush all others. Whereas you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they were mingled with the seed of men, and they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. And it shall break into pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. And as much as you saw the stone that was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place after this. The dream is certain, and the interpretation is sure. Okay, so let's focus on the interpretation here today, guys. First thing we're going to see is, is that Daniel proclaims that he will tell the interpretation before the king. So first thing he's going to do is he just told them to dream, and he's making the announcement, okay, that's the dream, king. Now I'm going to tell you what the interpretation is. So the first thing he does is, and I think it's pretty significant, as we get into this, you need to be aware as you're looking at your Bible, I want you to pay attention, especially from here on out, not just with this interpretation, but with all of the other interpretations, okay, throughout Daniel. Notice what he says versus what he doesn't say, okay? Notice what he says versus what he doesn't say. A lot of time in prophecy guru guys is they'll focus on what the meaning of, like, they'll say, okay, there's... there's feet and toes of clay, so there's ten toes, the ten toes obviously mean this, and they try to figure that out. Notice what the text tells you, and then notice what it doesn't tell you. What it doesn't tell you, obviously, is something that you're not supposed to focus on. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you get caught up in trying to focus on what the text doesn't tell you, then you're going to get yourself in a world of hurt. So, for instance, we're going to look later on, a few chapters later, Daniel has a dream of four different beasts. And, and it happens to be that these four beasts correlate with these four parts of, Daniel, of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Now, in the interpretation of those four beasts, Daniel really asks for the understanding of the fourth beast. He doesn't care about the first three beasts. But some of the prophecy guys will get into it and say, well, this is what this means, and the ribs in this guy's mouth means this. No, listen, if God doesn't want you to see it, and it's not interpreted for you, why waste your time with it? Do you understand what I'm saying? Why waste your time with it? So let's just focus on what Daniel's going to tell us here, and then we're going to see some things. Okay? So let's go on. Daniel proclaims that Nebuchadnezzar and the kingdom are the head of gold. 
first thing he's going to do is say, King, you're a, now notice now, not the king of kings, but, because that's who. Who's, first of all, who's the king of kings? Jesus. He's going to say, you are a king of kings. Now, what, what's the significance of that title? That title means is that he's a very prominent king, period, in history. And by the way, he is. So much so that when Saddam Hussein was alive and before the, the Gulf Wars happened, Saddam Hussein was pouring lots of money into rebuilding ancient Babylon and the hanging gardens and stuff. Why? Because of the significance of who Nebuchadnezzar is. Okay? Nebuchadnezzar is a significant king in world history. So he pro- proclaims that, first of all, in this image that you saw, you're the first part king. You are the head of gold. Okay? You're the head of gold. He goes on and says, after this, another inferior kingdom will arise and another after it to rule the world. So he's going to follow it up. And notice, it's just a brief description here. He's going to say, after you, there will be another kingdom. That's, that's the chest of silver. It's inferior to you, O king. And then after that kingdom, that silver kingdom, there will be a bronze kingdom, which is even more inferior. That's all he says. Then he says there's a fourth kingdom will arise that is strong as iron and crush all others. So there's going to be a fourth kingdom that is as strong as iron and will crush all others. Interesting thing about this fourth kingdom is, is he says this. The fourth kingdom, we look see this in verse 41 to 43, the fourth kingdom will be divided. This fourth kingdom will be divided. And, and, and at that point when it's divided, you can see on the image it becomes a mixture of, which is not possible, ceramic clay and what? Iron. That's not possible to, be, to mix those. So it will be both what? Strong and fragile. That's the point that Daniel's making out here, is that, what comes out of this, this fourth kingdom will be both strong and fragile. And it makes the point here, when it talks about seed, look with me at verse, verse 43. They will mingle with the seed of men. That's talking about ethnicities there. What's it saying here? Different peoples will mix together in this kingdom. That should be the word but. But they will not be united. Different kingdoms will mix, different peoples will mix together in this kingdom, but they will not be united. Okay, so you're ready for some of the speculation that's going on today that, that sells books? It's, not, it's a slowly emerging in the United States, but it's a little bit more prominent outside the United States. Are you ready for this one? This kingdom that they're talking about here, this final kingdom, guess who it is? Yeah. Us. Yeah, it could be. Because remember, I remember going to school in the 70s, and one of the things about the United States that we were told is that it's a what? Melting pot. Now, that may shatter some of you. I'm just saying, I remember when I said that speculation. That is slowly emerging in the United States among the Christian church. It's more prominent outside of Christianity, outside of the United States. Why would it be that? Because they're not wrapped up in our patriotism. 
If you get wrapped up in our patriotism, you're immediately going to say, that's not possible. But if you think about it, who's the strongest country in the world right now? Who's able to crush anybody? Do you see you know what I'm saying? So here's, this will be a good point for you. I'm not saying that this is what it is, because it may not be. Because I don't really know. Because, again, the players change. When we're talking about Israel, the players change. But it does raise a good point for you. You have to, every one of you is going to have to make a, make a decision in your heart and in your mind. Which is more prominent to you? Your patriotism or your Christianity? Because the two don't mix. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your patriotism or your Christianity? Because the two don't mix. And that's something that you're going to have to understand. That's something you're going to have to wrestle with. So let's go on. He goes on then, he tells us about God's kingdom. God's kingdom. During the time of the divided kingdom, God will set up a kingdom, is what Daniel is saying here. Remember, this is the image of the stone cut without hands that destroys the image and then becomes as a mountain which consumes the whole world. So what Daniel is saying is during this time of the divided kingdom, God will set up a kingdom. Here's what he says. This kingdom will never be destroyed and is not left to other people. So this is not a kingdom that's left to other people, to Gentiles. This is a kingdom that's left to who? Israel. This is a kingdom that's left to God's people, Israel. And it will destroy other kingdoms and stand forever. This kingdom that's coming will destroy other kingdoms and stand forever. Okay, so those of you with notes, you're going to see this image here. So let's kind of go through it here. Because we know this from history. Three of these kingdoms have already passed. Four of these kingdoms have already passed. There's a future kingdom. There's the head of gold, which is Babylon. There's the breast of silver, which is the Medo-Persian Empire. Thighs of bronze, which was the Greek Empire. Now, the Greek Empire, we're going to see this later because Daniel's prophecies are very exact, was started out by one guy by the name of who? Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great had no children, so when he died, his kingdom was divided among his four generals. And that period uh, was known as the, the Greek Empire. So that's what we see here. Then we see the legs of iron because it was the Roman Empire. There was no other empire like it. It was brutal. It, it came in. It crushed. It was military might. And from out of the Roman Empire will come this future world government. And it will have feet of clay and so forth. It will be a mixture of people. It will be strong but it will also be fragile. Now, let me just stop for a moment. I think it's interesting because when you go through Daniel, a lot of what is out there right now says that there's going to be a future world government that dominates the world, that basically everybody in the world is going to be worshiping this one world ruler. When you look at the prophecies of Daniel, especially when we get to later on, you're going to see that there are nations that are going to rise up against this world leader. So it's going to make you very evident to understand that there's not going to be, quote, a world government. 
But there is going to be a world kingdom that will be prominent, and therefore that's why we're going to see that. When we get to those prophecies, we'll, we'll, we'll point that out to you. Now, here's what's happened. So how many of you remember the book Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey? came out in the 70s, uh, in the early 80s, and so forth. And how, and here's what happened is, is because when you have two feet, how many toes do you have on your feet? Unless you're abnormal or had an accident, how many toes do you have on your feet? Ten with two feet, right? So how, of course, he goes over to Revelation and sees ten kingdoms there. How Lindsay speculated that the, the, the revived Roman Empire would be what? The EU. Because at that point, they didn't have seven, ten nations in the EU yet, and they were getting to there. But the problem is, is the EU now has more than ten nations. The EU now has more than ten nations. Here's how you could, see, here's how you can make it be anything. You could say that the ten nations are, are, are ten nations that form into the new home of the Roman Empire, or you could say they are ten nations that emerge out of, or ten kingdoms that emerge out of the Roman Empire. What do you mean ten kings that emerge out of the Roman Empire? Well, since the Roman Empire, out of what was left of the Roman Empire, have emerged different kingdoms which have become world empires. Really? Like who? French? British? Was the last big one. That changed at the start of what? the 20th century, there have emerged out of them empires that have ruled the world in the time since, since the Roman Empire has emerged. So there are different ways that you can look at it and speculate on it. Now, I don't want to spend time speculating. I just want to tell you what the text says, and as we move closer, you're going to have an understanding. So, for instance, one of the interpretations that is happening out there right now with this future world government, and that these ten kingdoms or whatever, there's, there's some who now who begin to say that there are ten regional governments. Ten regional governments. What do you mean? Like, for instance, APEC. Anybody ever heard of APEC? Anybody know what APEC? Do you watch the news? APEC is Asia-Pacific Economic something or another. It's, it, and, and how many of you know, everybody knows what NAFTA is, right? That's the treaty between who? United States and who? Canada and who else? Mexico. And it was pure, based purely on what? Economics. The EU is based purely on what? Economics. So what they're saying is, is that these ten things could be possibly ten regional governments. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm just letting you know that. So here's what, why am I telling you all these different views? Don't get focused on any one of them. Don't get focused on any one of them. Because the chances are, here's what's going to happen. 20 years from now, they could all be Huey. Do you understand what I'm saying? They could all be books that you're using to start your fires with. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because 20 years from now, it's going to change again if Jesus tarries. What you need to know is what the text says to understand what's coming. What were you going to say, Mike? Yeah. Yeah, NATO. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, NATO. That's based on military alliances. Okay. I was sharing with you the regional things based on economic. All right, so let's go on. 
Here's what I'm saying. You just need to be aware that as far as the dream has happened, this has taken place, the gold, the Medo-Persian, the Greek, and of course the Roman Empire. But in the future, there's going to be some sort of kingdom. It's going to be made of a mixture of people. It's going to be prominent. It's going to be fragile. But out of that, during that time, there's going to emerge God's kingdom. And God's kingdom is going to destroy this future kingdom. Now, we know that from the book of Revelation, in chapter 19, that that takes place when who comes back? Jesus, and he defeats who? The ruler of this future empire, the Antichrist. And he establishes at that point what kind of kingdom? The millennial kingdom, which lasts for a thousand years. It lasts for a thousand years. A kingdom of peace for God's people. Now, here's what Daniel says. Daniel tells the king that God has made him, has made known, the words left out of there, has made known to him what will happen in the future. So, Daniel saying to the king, King, here's what's going on. Here's what this image means. And the great God of the universe is telling you what will take place in the future. He has made known to you, king, what's going to take place in the future. What's going to take place in the future? Daniel states that the dream and its interpretation are fact. Bottom line, remember what I told you about prophecies. Prophecies are not a prediction. Prophecies are a statement of truth about what God's going to do. And so Daniel is reaffirming the point that I'm making to you. He's saying that the dream and its interpretation, what the, what the dream means and what's going to happen with these four kingdoms and this divided kingdom, and the kingdom that will come that will destroy them all, God's kingdom, that's a fact. It's a bottom-line fact. You need to understand that. Now, we can have Bible study sessions all day long, get into arguments trying to figure out what that last kingdom is, who it is, who it might not be, or whatever. The point of the matter is it's coming, it's going to happen, it's fact. That's what Daniel is saying. How do we know it's fact? Well, we already know what? The first three kingdoms have come and gone, right? We already have seen the Roman Empire emerge in its brutality and strength, unlike any of the others. So we already know that those components have taken place. Now, when we get through the rest of Daniel's prophecy, especially when we get to chapter 10 and 11, Daniel's going to get downright specific about what happens during the Greek Empire to the point of talking about what happens specifically with certain kings. It's amazing. And the whole point is, is why, why are we doing that? Because when you see these other prophecies already fulfilled, you can then rest assured that what has not yet been fulfilled will be. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So, okay, then look now at how the king responds. Look with me at verse 46 to 49. Then Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. 
Dan, the king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. The king promoted Daniel and gave him many gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator of all the wise men of Babylon. Also, Daniel petitioned the king and and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat at the gate of the king. Okay, so let's talk about here. First of all, the king's response. The king responded by humbling himself and honoring Daniel. Okay? So when you prostrate yourself before anyone, that's humility. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're humbling yourself. So the king humbles himself before Daniel. And when he offers incense to Daniel, that's an act of honoring. Okay? So he's honoring Daniel here. He makes a proclamation that the king proclaimed that God is the true God since he has revealed this secret. God is the true God since he has revealed this secret. Now let me just stop for a moment. Before any of you believe or think in your heart or in your mind that Nebuchadnezzar becomes a true believer here, that is not true. He is not a believer. You have to understand something. Unlike the Israelites who worshipped only one God, The Babylonians worshipped many gods. They were polytheistic. And so in Nebuchadnezzar's mind, Daniel's Hebrew god now shows himself to be powerful and probably superior to the other gods, but he still believes in other gods. Okay? Still believes in other gods. Now, how do you know that, George? How do you know his heart's not changed? How do you know this? You just got to go to chapter 3. And you see, his attitude in his heart hasn't changed because the accusation that's going to be made against the Hebrews is, and the king raises it, is that you don't worship our what? Gods. Okay? He's polytheistic. So so does everybody understand? Nebuchadnezzar's not had a change of heart here. He's simply just acknowledging that this is a superior God. So, for instance, like we talk about world missions, one of the struggles for, for people going into polytheistic societies like maybe India is that when they present Jesus as a God, they don't have a problem believing that Jesus is a God in India. But they put him among a million other gods because in India they have a million gods. Do you understand? Hinduism has a million gods. So the king here makes this proclamation. So here's what happens. His friend, Daniel and his friends are promoted. So Daniel is promoted as ruler over the province or over the kingdom of, of Babylon. So he's been set over as a, as a chief advisor. Okay? Then Daniel's three friends are set over the affairs of Babylon. So, he's, so Daniel is promoted, and Daniel gets his three friends promoted here. Okay. All right, let's get ready. 